ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. Welcome back once again, Bread and Circuses Podcast. <coughs> Why? I could not. Why? <coughs> Should we start over? No. You've been fighting COVID for like, what, eight years now? I could not hold that back. <laughs> I was going to be like, I can wait. I can make it. Wow. You had My to eyes go are watering. The whole 10 seconds of silence thing and Hello. still couldn't do it. So. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually recording an episode. <clears throat> Yeah. It's been a while. You know what it is? I don't have any uh, beer in front of me. Isn't there some in the fridge? Is there? You should check. Wow. I think there's uh, I think there's some Arnie Palmer in there, at least. Is that alcoholic? No. Nah, forget it. And so are you. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I think this is episode 120. Yeah, I think so. I Crazy. Think right. Yeah. Crazy. So, we didn't record in the last couple weeks, because, or the last week, because... Like all sorts of scheduling stuff, but you're moving, right? And you had to moving out of. I put on the Facebook page, you're moving out of the bunker into the cat house. Sounds about right. We'll just call it the cat house. Yep. Not like HBO's fun cat house yeah. show. Yeah. This well, is more like, literal take on it. Yeah, more <clears throat> literal. So, all right. So I got nothing. What do you got? No. You got a cough again. <laughs> so yeah. keep talking. Okay. I can't turn this mic off either. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Um, all right, well, should we start with, uh, jump right into the, <coughs> you're going to be done anytime soon. I hope so. Okay. Should we jump right into the main topic I had? Sure. Of uh, Minnesota schools? Oh, awesome. So for those who aren't aware, uh, and this probably isn't just Minnesota schools because all sorts of states are doing different stuff, but Minnesota has decided to go to a hybrid learning from many of the places I've seen. So it's two days on, or no, it's a day on, day off, day on, day off. So the teachers only work four days a week at the school. Um, and, you know, the kids, it's it's different than the distance learning stuff they had before. But what, so we're getting right down to enrollment time. And they're having to put together their lists of kids in these schools, you know, of who's, so they're putting their, their half class size. I think they're 15 kids or smaller. Well, now they're putting their list together and they're finding out, oh, well, this kid signed up at another school and this kid's going to private school and this kid's going to distance learning. So the populations of these schools are dropping and they're having to rejigger all of these. I said jigger, rejigger all these lists for kids, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But imagine doing this for a school of, you know, thousand plus kids. Well, now what they're finding out is they may not have enough kids in some of these schools to there, – there may be too many teachers. <laughs> so some of these schools are going to have to start laying teachers off. Wasn't there a big thing about teachers not wanting to go back, though, I thought? Yeah, so – and that was part of this, too. So the Education Minnesota, which is the largest union in the state, I believe, it is the teachers' union – educators union they did an internal survey keep in mind this is an internal survey of a very political left-leaning organization 
internal survey said 51% of teachers said, we need to get back to school. It's not a wide majority, but it is technically a majority. And I read a statewide survey, that's different in different areas, but a statewide survey in Minnesota that says two-thirds of parents want their kids back at school full-time. So we've got a slight majority of the teachers and a two-thirds majority of the parents saying, get your kids back in school. Education Minnesota is saying, nope, we don't want to do it because, you know, we're not safe. Now, this is anecdotal, but a friend of mine uh, works with some teachers through her profession and says, I've run across these teachers who are saying, don't want to go back to school, da 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 da, da all these reasons. She said, you know, the funny thing is, in the five teachers I've talked to, none of it was health related. It was all, but I like doing this job from home. It's nice just being able to do my lesson plan at my own pace and not having to deal with a room full of screaming kids and blah, blah, blah. So from her perspective, it's, and I hadn't thought of this one, it's that these teachers don't want to actually go to school. Well, that's fine, but that's the fucking job to be in school teaching the kids. Rooster, rooster, rooster. I don't think you understand how hardworking teachers are and that they're overworked and underpaid. Yeah, they're the real heroes. And they're the re- yeah. You just took the words out of my mouth. But by the way, I think you're saying it sarcastically. By the I'm way, being very genuine. Um, I am saying it sarcastically. Large amounts of salt there. So, so don't you think maybe we should give them a break and just let them, you know, teach at their own pace? And you have to watch. Uh, Norm Macdonald does like 12 minutes of calling out a heckler in his audience who's a teacher. It's it's brilliant, and he does this whole thing about well, you're the real heroes. He goes, you guys are the real heroes. He goes, fuck that guy who carries that body in out of a burning building. He goes, you know, you get your summers off. And then he even goes after this woman and says, like, actually, I think this guy with you is the real hero. He just, it was, up with her shit. it was vicious, but it's so much of it was true. He goes, well, you know, but you get your summers off. So you have time to recover. Yeah. But so now let's just do a little math here. Say you've got a kid, um, a thousand kids in a school. Okay. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I have all of this right. Um, it probably probably could be corrected a little bit, but you'll get the idea. So you got a 1,000 kids in a school. Uh, 100 of those kids, 10% of the school decides either because the parents have to work or they don't want to deal with this whole hybrid schedule, the parents move the kids to another school, private school, something like that, uh, because they can and they just want to do it. So... If those 100 kids, let's say 50 of them, don't come back and you don't have another 50 kids to replace those kids, in the area, in this part of Minnesota, the state reimburses you for kids in the neighborhood of, uh, I think the low end, 15,000, the high end is 20,000. So let's just call it 17,500. Okay, so I'm pulling up my calculator to do a little math here. If that school with 1,000 kids... Uh, loses 5%, 50 kids, times 17000 $850,000. That school does not have the next year for its budget because schools are paid based on how many kids are there. Well, how many teachers are you going to pay with 850000 How many uh, lunch ladies? Well, maybe two administrators with that, but... Uh, Not that much, but yeah. So they're not thinking about this. So we're down to three weeks before school starts, 
And some of these schools don't know how many kids they have coming. So they're calling around and finding out, oh, no, no, we enrolled in a different school. And they're going, oh, shit. Now all of a sudden these schools are having to lay off three, four, five, six teachers because they don't need them. And these teachers are three weeks out. They're going to lose their health insurance. They're going to lose their job because they're the low man on the to- or woman on the totem pole. They don't. They have the least amount of experience, and that's strictly what the union goes by: is your time in, last one in, last first one out. So these teachers who argued for not going back to school because they didn't feel safe, and I will say I don't believe that's the reason. If you're 60 years old, you got some health conditions and all this stuff, and you're going to be a room full of snotty-nosed kids, I can understand you being a little nervous. But hey, wear a mask because, you know, masks are magic. They stop it all. You can't get sick if you wear a mask, you know? Well, you can't get other people sick if you wear a mask. It's 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 on you. So it's it's on the other person. It's their responsibility to wear a mask. Kim Jong-Walls told me I can't get yeah. sick if I wear a mask. Yeah. Do you want to kill grandma? Uh, your grandma? I never met her, but I probably wouldn't like her. So, sure. Um, but none of these people, <clears throat> I'm sorry, they're in education. They have no business experience. They have no, um, they haven't had a job where they had to write checks. And the money they got all came from the state. They've never had to be burdened with how a business actually works or how the, uh, the financial aspect of schools work. It's just, hey, I should be paid more, and I just want to work these hours. And so now the decisions they've made, the political decisions they've made, have come home to roost on these teachers, and now some of them are starting to lose jobs. But let's fast forward to next year. That school that lost those 50 kids, that's what the state's going to reimburse them on. So now if they get 50 more kids back, now they got a budget shortfall. And in the past, they've handled that stuff by putting levies out halfway through the year going, hey... We need this. You know, come on, voters, jump in there. It's only it's only an average of 250 bucks a household for the over the course of the year. Well, when you figure 30% of these people aren't paying that tax anyway because they don't own property or whatever, they're not paying a property tax. So the average, you're averaging it out across the amount of kids in the school. How about we average it amount over the people who actually pay property tax? And it's way higher than that. Well, those levies used to get passed. Barely, but they would get passed. Do you think any levies post-COVID no, are getting passed? No, of course not. No. And that's and where, that's where these schools are going to have problems because they've always been able to go to the state and get money. And they're not going to be able to do it. Minnesota alone, before COVID, had a $1.5 billion surplus. They now have a $4.5 billion deficit in five months. Well, who's the biggest contributor to the Democrat Party in Minnesota? Which union? Uh, I believe that's Education Minnesota. Yeah. So do you think um, this has a chance of actually kind of just breaking up the whole education system and and their power and their monopoly and and allowing like the stuff that conservatives have been wanting for a while, like charter and the school choice and all that um, to actually happen because of this? Do you think this is the upside of it? No, what you don't understand is this is all Trump's fault. Mm. Okay. So, you know, he let this virus run rampant. Oh, so it, it can't be considered positive because it was because it's Trump's fault. Yeah, see, Nancy Pelosi told me that it's the Trump virus. You know, mm-hmm. so he made it and he released it so this would happen. I see. He knew he can't win the election, so he's just trying to 
he's trying to subvert Joe Biden's chances, but it's not going to work because yeah. Joe is righteous and ready. No, I, I don't think it will, in all seriousness, I don't think it will break up the union, but I think it's going to severely damage it. And I think the damage to the union is going to start to be sown in the um, in the younger teachers. So these teachers who say, hey, I hung with your whole plan to shut schools down because you told me this was good for us. And now I'm out of job, you know. Yeah. And there are plenty of great teachers out there. There are plenty of bad teachers out there. And if you are a good teacher who's stuck behind a bad teacher with more seniority than you, who gets fired just because they've been there longer, or you get fired because they've been there longer, you're really going to want to stick with that union? I mean, the Supreme Court, my guy Roberts, uh, did pass, a, did pass the, or not passed, upheld the legislation that said you don't have to belong to the union. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. I think there's a reckoning coming for public schools because... You know, if these private schools, uh, and there's there's two of them in particular, right, right near me, that uh, do very well. One's a very much a, um, it's a college prep kind of thing. I mean, you see billboards all the time of kids who went to the school going to Notre Dame and Ivy League schools and stuff. And I mean, it's a twenty thousand dollar a year high school, basically. But uh, they sent notices out to all their all their members saying. You need to register now. You need to send us your money now because we got people flooding us. Yeah. And then there's another one near me that's not a it's not a high school. It's a K through eight, and they're not returning calls. Hmm. They're just getting flooded, and they're saying, "Yeah, we can't. We can't take." Well, I'm a family kids. member that had two kids, and one of their kids was in went from private school into public school last year, and they transition said nope we're going back to, to private so was it was it because of just the politics of it or what i think yeah they saw how how bullshit this has been uh, how they've been reacting and how the public schools are, are can't handle it and, and aren't handling this right and the private schools actually are talking about like what matters like okay let's have a deadline let's figure out when we're going to open let's figure out the the procedures whereas the public school is like there was nothing being said or done that made any sense well you're i mean you're basically a client of a private school. Yeah. I mean, that's you're a stakeholder in that. You They got to at least listen to you. In public schools, they don't have to. No. And this idea that the federal government gets to decide what what a curriculum is, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, what, what the hell do we even need a Department of Education for? I mean, all these lefties want to get rid of Betsy DeVos. Fine. What if she says, yeah, cool, you can get rid of my job, get rid of my whole department. Yep. And they're going to be like, no, 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 wait a second, you can't do that. I, I heard someone say, there's a post on Facebook about someone very pro-teachers union said, uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll go spend time, I'll go teach in a classroom full of uh, third graders when Betsy DeVos decides to come there and spend all day in it. And I'm like, what if she said, okay, cool, I'll do it. What if she's not afraid? Yeah. What if she looks at this and goes, you know what? Yeah, I run a risk, but I think we need to get kids back to school. So, yeah, I'll do it. And the same thing with a friend of mine who said, uh, he said, uh, for all those Republicans out there who want to get rid of abortion, how about you fully fund kids from zero to 18 years old, you know, through high school and all that stuff? I said, okay, cool, deal. Now what? Mm -hmm. They don't want that deal. No. Nope. They want to make that point. So 
anyway, so I don't think schools realize what they're doing to themselves here. And we're going to have, it's going to be very interesting, not so much this year to watch them struggle through it, but what happens next year with yeah. funding, because it's going to be all over the board. Well, I quick so. wanted to uh, point out a, a post by Larry Korea. Oh, okay. About, about the high Who's school. that? I've never heard of him. We talked about him quite a bit. Yeah. One of my favorite author. And one of these days you're going to get him on the show, right? Yeah, of course. So he posted, uh, the mask kabuki theater is extra stupid for high school athletes. One hour practice now takes three hours as the arbitrary max number of kids use the weight room. And it's pointless because the other ones are hanging out together outside waiting anyway. And then all that fucking bullshit about how masks don't change your oxygen levels. Good luck with that while exercising hard and it gets sweaty and you're basically waterboarding yourself. This is just stupid at this point. Kids are getting screwed over. I've got some really resilient, squared away kids, and this is fucking with their heads. I can't imagine what it's doing to most kids. Yeah. I mean, th- this is like a w- really weird social experiment going on. This, this really has nothing to do with, you know, safety, um, you know, public safety at this point. This is a social experiment is what it is. How dare you? How dare I? You are willing to risk thousands of children's lives. <laughs> I might have mentioned this before, but there was someone who was saying who is very pro-keeping schools closed, posted somewhere that got out on social media, said, all right, so uh, the infection rate for children is, you know, 3% or whatever. So you put all these kids in school, cool. Uh, 97,000 kids are going to die. You cool with that? I'm like, no, they aren't, because even if you put that infection rate on them, that's not the mortality rate no, for kids. They, they never want to bring up the mortality rate. No, they don't want to do that anymore because the mortality rate is dropping rapidly. Yeah. The infection rate's going up because guess what? We're testing more. Yeah. Oh, you, but Trump said that, so that's that's bullshit. Well, people can say all they want. No, that's not it. That's not why we're. Ha- if you test more for something, if you put your line in the water, you will catch more fish than if you don't put your line in yeah. the water. Oh, speaking of which, again, also anecdotal, but a friend of mine uh, has a friend who uh, had to go into the hospital for something, hurt her wrist or something like that. She comes in and they try to give her a COVID test. She goes, I'm not taking a COVID test. Got no symptoms. And the nurse says, well, we have to give you one. She goes, nope. And she's like, well, we have to. She goes, I'm not doing it. You can't make me take a test. You know? So she leaves. She comes back. Nope. We got to do it. Nope. Not doing it. She's like, make me. So they didn't. Hmm. She gets a notice two weeks later from the Minnesota Department of Health says she's COVID positive. She calls him up and goes, and again, this is one person. I'm not, I'm not suggesting a larger conspiracy here. That's, I'm not saying, oh, the numbers are inflated because they're faking. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying this one example. She calls the Department of Health and says, I did not take a test. Department of Health says, right, but if you don't take a test, it's seen as positive. It's counted as positive. That's asinine. And I, again, I'm not suggesting that there are multiple hundreds or thousands of people who aren't taking the test and are positive. I'm just saying this one example. So then they start saying, so we need to start tracing you. You need to tell us where you've been. She goes, I'm not telling you a goddamn thing. No. Well. You know, and I mean, that stuff should be chilling for people. That's infuriating. Yeah, but it should also be scary, you know, that they can start doing this stuff. I uh, have in in Minneapolis here, we have the the mask mandate by uh, Governor Walls, a piece of shit, who actually just recently said. Uh, Kim Jong-Walls. Yeah, Kim Jong-Walls, who recently said that. 
when they when the mayor mayor fry actually asked for um the national guard to be deployed oh, yeah, during the need, riots we need to talk about yeah that. and he said no well he didn't really understand what he was getting it was mostly going to be 19 year old cooks yeah he says you're not getting highly trained military yeah. people you're getting what a fucking piece of shit you're getting a bunch of 19 year old cooks and this is the guy that was in the national guard yeah what and a fucking pussy look as i mean it is a fact that there are a lot of young uh, mostly men in the National Guard who don't have frontline combat experience, right. but they, the, there was a the Justice and Drew show that we both listened to in the mornings in Minneapolis here. They had a guy call in and say, hey, I'm a Marine veteran, two tours in the Middle East. I'm in the National Guard now. He goes, these guys go to train. He goes, yeah, some of them are young. Yeah, and, they're green, but they've got and, discipline. And some of them have jobs where they're cooks in places. He yeah. goes, but... But guess what? They're trained for this. They do two weekends a month, two weeks a year training in this stuff. He goes, they have to go through basic boot camp. They do all that stuff. He goes, so yeah. yeah. And they have... They have um, they're taking orders from people that know what they're doing. Yes, exactly. So, well, anyways, I, I got off point there. But the... So, we've had the mask thing going on for a few weeks now, right? Mm-hmm. And I haven't been wearing. I mean, I... F- Part I think it's I think it's since the first. Yeah, so I, I go to the in convenience stores, don't wear the mask. I go to hardware stores, I don't wear the mask. Um, and more off, well, the only place that I got hassled was the the health club. My when I wanted to go into my health club, mm-hmm. and that's when I was like, uh, yeah, I'm medically exempt. And he goes, uh, well, we we can't we we got to have masks. And I go, yeah. I, well, what do you do when somebody tells you they're medically exempt? He goes, well, I think the company's policy, and this guy, I think he might have been talking out of his ass, but the company's policy is that if you, you know, if you're medically, if you can't medically wear a mask, then you shouldn't be out. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. By the way, that's illegal. Yeah, I you, said, I said, yeah, I don't think so. Um, and I go, let me talk to your manager. He goes, well, he's not in. I go, okay. So um, when's he in? Oh, and I go, I, I guarantee you, I'm not wearing a mask when I talk to him. But oh, I what am I going to do about that? Like, okay. So I'm going to have to go and square the way at the, the fitness club and say, look, you're letting me walk in here without a mask. So did you turn around and leave? Yeah, turn around. I, I left. But uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk to the manager without the mask. And I'm going to go, look, I'm exempt. Wait, I'm not but, wearing the mask. But seriously, you have a medical condition that doesn't allow you to wear a mask in a health club. They can't. That's illegal. Yeah. It's illegal by through the ADA for them to bar yeah. you. That's why I'm going back. But they can be fined like $75,000 for doing that. Right. Most of these companies, I think, aren't going to bother people if they don't draw attention to it. If you go up to somebody and you tell them, hey, I'm not going to wear a mask, then you're probably going to get into it with somebody and you're either going to get some clown that doesn't know what he's talking about or you're going to get somebody that's just afraid and goes, look, I don't want to get in trouble. Can you please wear You know, that kind of thing. But if you walk in, like, everything's cool. Don't even pay attention. Nobody says anything to you. I've been doing it nonstop for quite a while now. Well, there's a, there's a uh, convenience store I go into pretty much every morning get stuff to take to my office and i walk in and one day they have this woman who's working the counter i've seen her before and she has the mask on but it's fully down around her chin and i'm wearing mine and i go shouldn't i have shouldn't you have to wear that mask she goes well i'm pregnant i was just like okay whatever i went that was thursday went in there today the manager is behind the counter doing whatever he's doing same thing. His mask pulled down around his chin. If I go in there again and that's going on, I'm just taking mine off. And if somebody says anything to it, I'm going to go, manager's not wearing one. If manager's not wearing one, I'm not wearing one. Well, and here's the thing. If you're going to go up to me and hassle me on the mask, 
and then I have to conf- I have to actually engage with you, then you you're running the risk of me getting my spit particulates on you. So why don't you just fucking back off? Yeah. And then I won't engage with you. I won't open my mouth to talk to you, and we'll be fine. It'd be the same thing as wearing a mask. My mouth is shut. I'm not breathing on you. Fuck off. Yeah. You know, it's it's just it's it's really dumb. So this whole thing's aggravating. Uh, should we talk about the Portland and Chicago mayors? Yeah. So, oh, real quick, uh, on Kim Jong Walls, uh, Jason Lewis, who is running on the Republican ticket to unseat Senator Tina Smith here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. he did a um, he did a radio interview where Tim Walls had said, you know, Greater Minnesota is basically just rocks and cops, you know, like the voters there don't count. So he's being uh, interviewed by this Esme Murphy, local CBS reporter, who's just completely in the tank for Ilhan Omar and Keith Ellison and all that. And uh, he goes, "Yeah, the senator refer- or the governor referred to Greater Minnesota's rocks and cows." And Esme Murphy goes, "No, I've heard him speak. I've followed him for a long time, and he's never said that." And then they played the clip back on this radio <laughs> show. Yeah, I mean, not in front of her, oh, but I, it's that'd like have been great if it didn't like ask her out right there. Yeah. So, um, so Portland and Chicago. Remember the cities that said, hey, if we get the federal, well, I don't know if Chicago ever had feds in, but Portland did. They were guarding the federal courthouse. And they wanted the feds gone. They said, the feds are the reason there's rioting. Even, yeah. though those federal, even though those federal troops have been there for a long time guarding those courthouses. I mean, they're, they're marshals. So they said, hey, they leave and everything will be fine. So Trump said, all right, we'll negotiate to get them out. We get the, uh, we'll take the feds out. But the local law enforcement's got to handle it. They said, okay, fine. Well, guess what's happening? Riots aren't any better. In fact, they're worse. They're burning some buildings. They started to burn a police precinct building in Portland. They've got video from the inside of people throwing Molotov cocktails into it. Yep. And uh, and Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, came out and finally said, if you are actively trying to burn down a building with people inside of it that you won't let leave, that's attempted murder. Like, you're getting red-pilled here? Yeah, and this is the guy that's, like, been known to be an Antifa sympathizer. Well, he was the one we talked about before. He went out in the crowd and was yeah. like, I'm with you, well, and they're like, quit your job. It's because he thought he was part of the crowd. He thought he was part of those people. And uh, he's never kind of renounced the fact that he is one of these little Antifa activist types. And uh, he thinks, well, you know, I was, I'm was, i part of you. I'm with you. It's like, no, they don't. If you're part of the government, you're part of the problem. They're they're basically retarded anarchists. Well, they're just they're just rabid little fiends. Hmm. I mean, the only people they're loyal to is the one next to them with a mask throwing a brick. Yep. And if that one was wearing a Trump mask, now they'd try and bash their head in. Hmm. It's got nothing to do with any principles or any unifying theme other than they just want to tear down what's there. And Ted Wheeler doesn't understand that. Yeah, it's just like juvenile belligerence is what it is. Yeah. And it's adults. It's people that are well beyond that, that shouldn't have that, um, should have burned that out of their system a long time ago. But they're, you know, it's their man children or woman children that just go out and have tantrums and think it's, you know, I, I don't know. They don't, I don't know if they actually think they're going to accomplish anything or if they just, it's just fun for them. It's like their, their idea, you know, you get some adrenaline pumping and you feel virtuous. Maybe. I don't know what it is. There's. A lot of psychology involved here that I'm, I'm not equipped to or uh, trained to diagnose, but it's all bad. Well, I saw someone post on Facebook the uh, picture of, I think it's the lead, one of the lead uh, groups in, in Portland. And this guy is a, he's a, an avowed communist. 
And he's like, we got to get rid of private property and blah, blah, all this stuff. And he's this skinny, pasty little white guy. Why is it always those guys? It's the skinny little fuckers and why that they are like. I think in this world of no laws, no rules, um, that they are going to be living a good life. No, that, they're not. That they don't think they're going to be someone's bitch. Or they don't, they, they don't think that they're going to get trampled when, when people are, um, you know, rushing for food, the last piece of food on the shelves. They don't think they're going to be the ones that are targeted for, you know, whatever aggressive behavior that people need to get out of their systems because they're so frustrated. They don't think they're going to be the one. They think they're going to be in the, in the class that's in charge. Well, historically speaking, when these communist regimes or totalitarian regimes take over, who do they kill? The ones who instigate all the fucking bullshit. And why do they kill them? Because they don't want them to instigate that bullshit against them. And and they're generally overeducated revolutionaries. They want stupid revolutionaries. They want stupid people who are going to follow them. They don't want people who start getting uppity and thinking yeah, they, want they the, know better. They want the useful idiots. They don't want the like the Kool-Aid drinkers. They don't want the ones that are like, no, I'm this is the message and I'm you no, know, I'm gonna go and do this. And they want the ones that follow. They follow, don't want. Follow. They don't want anyone to ever say that's not what this movement was about. Yeah, the true believers they want out of it. Absolutely, yeah. they want them out of it. But the but the useful idiots those those they can they can stay because they can they can reformat them, <laughs> reformat their hard drive to do whatever they want. Do you? Th- I remember watching a Rogan podcast where he was talking about Genghis Khan killed off they believe ten percent of the world's population. Killed ten percent of the world's population. Do you think Genghis Khan had a lot of critical thinkers around him? Yeah, I don't think he uh, liked people like that. I think he wanted people who were like, "Let's just kill everybody." It wasn't him that people are supposed to have like his DNA too, because he <laughs> did so much raping. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Um, I did want to talk about uh, Rogan leaving California. He's he's doing it. He yeah. Joe his, Rogan. If nobody, everybody should know at this point. Yeah, the most like, popular yeah. podcast in the world. Um, he said, and Joe thinks of himself very much on the. On the left, it was interesting. He was talking. Uh, I listened to a couple of his podcasts lately. One was with Rob Lowe. One was with Mike Baker, mm-hmm. uh, former CIA guy. Yep. And I think it was with Baker when he said, "Look, I'm a." He goes, "I'm firmly on the left. I'm a. I'm a fiscal conservative." He goes, "But I'm a social liberal," and he goes, "There's just not many of us out there." And I'm like, "That's exactly how I would describe myself." Yeah, I, I, I think even you or him, I would more consider that social libertarian as opposed to social liberal, though. Well, he's very much, he's pro-abortion. But social liberal not. thinks the government should be doing more to, you know, influence people's lives because the government does things that will benefit you. That's but, a liberal. But my point is that's your definition of social liberal. My definition of social liberal is I don't care who you marry. Just do whatever you social want. Social libertarian then is what I call that. Okay. Well, I'd call it a social liberal. So, <laughs> um, but, and I understand your point. But I'm like, here's a guy who says he's firmly on the left, describing himself in the exact same terms I would describe myself at. And I say, I'm firmly on the right. Not way to the right, but I'm firmly there. I'm not sliding over to the left at all. And so he's saying there just aren't many of us out there. No, I think that's what a very large percentage of the world is. And uh, so he says he's leaving California. And he's in the past been all about California. He's like, I hated Boston because it gets so cold and the weather's terrible and it makes people angry and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, now he's saying stuff like California wants to jack up its taxes and he, they want to back it up to January 1st of this year. So they're making it retroactive. Wow. Um, he goes, what makes you think that if you give people who've fucked everything up more money, they'll get smarter? 
And I'm like, you just in that one sentence encapsulated the entire Republican argument against leftist government. If you think that giving people who've screwed it up more money will make it better, you're a moron. Yep. And he says he wants to be, he doesn't like um, where, uh, I'm paraphrasing some of the things he said, but he goes, look, I understand the taxes in California are high, but the weather's beautiful and I have access to beaches and all this stuff. And he goes, so I don't mind paying that. He goes, but now you've taken all that away. He told Mike Baker, he said, it's insane to me that in August, we started this back in February, March. In August, we're still talking about this? He goes, I never thought we'd be here. So a lot of people who have a lot of money, who've made California run in the past because it's their tax money funding it, are leaving. And the same thing is happening in New York. Cuomo got on TV and he's saying, hey, all these billionaires who are in the Hamptons now, there's something like, I can't remember if it's like 118 or 218 billionaires in New York City. And they're moving out. What are you going to do? He said, you know, you're asking these people to come back. They're not going to come back. You know? Yeah. They'll move their money somewhere else. And so I think we're seeing, I don't want to say the collapse of large cities coming, but there's a reckoning coming well, for these. Minneapolis is the same. Did you see? So they've been allowing all the, they started out with Powderhorn Park, allowing homeless encampments. And now all the little parks are getting homeless encampments. By the way, a friend of mine called me, um, that same one who, had the wrist, knew the person who hurt the wrist talking to the cop, uh, or not hurt the wrist talking to the cop, but was talking to a cop. Uh, they said, do you know why, this is a police officer telling them this stuff, do you know why the uh, Potterhorn Park people didn't put up a huge stink when they were moved out? They've been moved to three hotels in Bloomington. And apparently they're shitting in the hallways yeah. and smearing it all over the walls, and they're getting something like 300 police calls a week. They're living the life of a rock star, sounds like. Love it. Drug, all the drugs they could have, all the sexual uh, 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 proclivity they could have. Is that the right word? Yeah, but, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Well, there's an article from uh, Alpha News from, what is it? Uh, Anthony Gokowski. Uh, Racist. Minneapolis Park Police Chief Jason Ohado said his agency has seen an increase in crime across several city parks with homeless encampments, but lacks the resources to adequately respond. So between June 26th and July 9th, Minneapolis, Minneapolis Park Police received three reports of sexual assault in Powderhorn after the city's Park and Recreation Board passed a resolution allowing the homeless population to seek refuge in public parks. At its peak, Powderhorn Park was home to more than 850 people who had set up 560 tent encampment, which was partially disbanded on July 20th due to safety concerns. However, criminal incidents at Powderhorn Park still outpaced nearly every other encampment across the city. Um, Powderhorn Park is still home to an encampment, but the park board has limited the size of the encampment to a maximum of 25 tents. Uh, but then, like you said, they've spread them out to the hotels, which are you know, just disgusting shitholes now. And then they've got them at other public parts now. So they're just spreading, spreading out the misery basically is what they're doing. So, and then he's saying he doesn't have enough resources. Well, then get, get used to that in Minneapolis. You know what they need though? They need uh, more social workers. No, they need more. What do they call them? Uh, community uh, listening, community mm. listening uh, professionals. I think they just need more drum circles. There you go. Because I, I told you, I, I walked by the park and saw that after they got rid of some of the tents, they 
I mean, you could still see tents there, but it wasn't as, as ridiculous. But then there was this big crowd of a big drum circle. Young, old, black, white, just pounding on their drums, having a gay old time. Just, you know. Did you have to it say be- gay? It was beautiful. Did you have to say gay? Yeah, summer of love. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> All right. Um, I have, uh, well, you and I have known each other a long time. You know that one of my favorite uh, people on the entire earth is Gina Carano. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've always thought she was hot. Mm-hmm. Well, I love her even more now because of what she did with this Black Lives Matter thing. You and I were talking about this. So Gina Carano, I can't remember the context of it, but she posted a picture. uh, And this was after having put up uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter a couple weeks before that. She, um, you know, just in support of the cause, not necessarily the the organization. But she put up a, a picture of like hundreds of people at a Nazi rally. Yeah, a, a historical photo yeah. of a rally where everybody's doing the Sig Heil. Except for one guy. Yep. Which she circled in there and said something along the lines of, it's not always good to be a follower kind of thing. Yep. And people immediately started calling her racist for putting Nazi imagery and up telling, there. telling her to... It's like, you don't understand the point she's making. You yeah. didn't even try. They're saying, uh, say Black Lives Matter. No, it we'll was leave you alone. ACAB. Uh, all cops well, it was are bad. Both. Yeah, they were trying to get her to say that, and she wouldn't do it. Yeah, they kept uh, multiple uh, lists of or, uh, responses of calling her a bootlicker. Um, and the one person wrote, "You literally could have picked a better picture to show whatever you wanted to show that didn't have freaking Nazis in it." It's like, no, that's the fucking point, you retard. Did they actually say literally? I thought they, I thought they uh, misspelled it and put like you literal, something like that. Yeah, I. It's not that I. Okay. It's not that I think their uh, their um, grammar is that important. It is important when you're making a point, but it's not that important. But the fact that they couldn't even use the word right. correctly. Gina has also been accused of blocking BLM supporters. One user tweeted, "Unfollow Gina Carano. She blocks people for saying BLM and has a defense squad of neoliberals and right wing assholes." And then this guy posts uh, to her. Because she said, uh, basically said the trolls are out. She put a thing, dear trolls, psst. And then she had a um, a little meme that showed, I'm glad you stopped following me. It's like the trash took itself out. Yeah. Which is great. But she also had something on there about, yeah, but you're, you 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 leave, you unfollow me, but you come back from yeah, one of your other sure you 12 keep, fake keep, accounts. Keep, keep sure you, make sure you keep checking in from your other 12 fake accounts, cowards. And I thought that was great. <laughs> but this guy replies to her and he goes, these aren't trolls. These are people trying to educate you so you can get on the right side of history. Fucking, ah, I would throw a punch at that motherfucker. So anyway, she replied to this guy in my experience screaming at somebody that they are a racist when they are indeed not a racist and any other any post and or research you do will show you those exact facts then i'm sorry those people are not educators they are cowards and bullies great that's a great response don't don't bitch out to these fucking uh uh twitter mobs uh they're worthless they're that's all they want and and it's not don't bend the knee don't give them anything don't give in to anything because it's not it, it never is enough it's I would love to see most of these people who are telling her this stuff say it to her face. Yeah. Well, I just, this article I pulled up on it has a big picture of her. And man, she's got some boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Because when she was fighting and she was cutting weight and stuff. Yeah. 
and she wore those tight sport bras. You know, like yeah, I mean, I mean, she was she had a womanly figure, but she had like very little body fat at that point. But when she stopped fighting and she's getting more into the uh, acting side of things, um, yeah, she's got a little more body fat, and it's, and it looks good. She's thick in a good way. <laughs> well, I still think she could kick most people's asses. I was going to turn the laptop around, but I was afraid I'd unplug something. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> but this picture is like, damn. Yeah, she's. I just damn Gina. <laughs> I mean, she's she's an attractive woman, but it's cool that she is sticking up for herself like this. Yeah. In, instead of you know, oh sorry, because I mean, she's not. She's certainly not some A list actor. No, she's going to have to fight like hell to have a career in Hollywood. Yeah, she doesn't have fuck you money. I'm sure. I bet she did okay. But the point is, if she wants to work in Hollywood, it is not going to help to even appear to be right wing. Yeah. You know, and that's what she's appearing like. And, you know, certainly could black blacklist her, you know, but she's. So the latest thing she was in was the Mandalorian. She was. Uh, yeah. What the hell is the character's name? I don't know. Some um, bounty hunter. Oh, but one of the people who responded to her was like that character. Cara Dune. Yeah, would that that character would hate you and blah blah blah. It's like it's not real. Yeah, idiots. This comic book character is not a person. So I well, people get way too into that stuff. So Well, I've got something about Oprah if you want to Every I know. time. And there's nothing no alert showing up on my computer to tell me what the hell that is. You're supposed to be the technical genius here. I know. I'm just here for my talent. Uh, it is an old computer. Doesn't need to be replaced. So, it's a euphemism for yourself. <laughs> so, uh, Oprah has a show on, I can't remember what network it is. Wait, who's Oprah? Yeah. Uh, billionaire Oprah Winfrey. Never heard of her. Uh, she's got an episode called, or a show called The Oprah Conversation. And this article is from Daily Wire. Uh, Hank Barron, or Barine. Uh, Speaking on a recent episode of the Oprah Conversation, TV host Oprah Winfrey insisted that a caste system has been put in place that permits whites to have a leg up that gives them an advantage no matter. In the episode titled Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man Part 1, Winfrey and NFL linebacker Emmanuel Acho interviewed white guests who all said they were racist. At one point in the episode, Winfrey, who is reputedly worth $2.6 billion, stated... There are white people who are not as powerful as a system of white people. The caste system has been that's been put in place, but they still, no matter where they are on the rung or the ladder of success, they still have their whiteness. Whites have a leg up. You still have your whiteness. That's what the term white privilege is. It means that whiteness still gives you an advantage no matter. It's a fundamental issue. I don't understand. What was the point she was getting to? Whiteness. I... White privilege. Wh- whiteness. White. I have. Oh, I haven't heard Rooster, that white. White privilege. Whiteness. Hey, I mean, we, all, we all know roosters. The amount of time we all know roosters aren't white. Yeah, the amount of time she said white and whiteness and white privilege, just the way she said. I actually watched the the clip of her, and it's like she she has no right to be so fucking angry and hateful towards white people. Well, you know, you know what I find to be proof of institutional racism? We don't have any blackening toothpaste. Mm. It's just whitening toothpaste. Nobody wants their teeth brown. You know. Good point. That's hateful, right there. That's a that's the, the system of whiteness. The at, fact at work. that you want to even you even want to bleach your teeth. Did you know band aids still are white colored, like 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 Caucasian colored in the stores? Did you <sighs> God, know that they I, still? You go in there, 
I guarantee you, anybody do this. Go into a CVS or a Walgreens and you go and you look at the Band-Aids and you see, are there any brown Band-Aids? Maybe, possibly one box. The rest are all white. Yeah. That's white privilege. That's yeah. whiteness for you. Yeah. You so. and your Band-Aid privilege. And, so, your, and your white teeth. An interviewee named Seth said because he had never actively opposed racism, he must be racist, which elicited this reply from Winfrey. You've become woke during this period and realized that awake in awakening that you are racist, right? I just want to know how that happened. Oh, and he goes, I was born in the 70s. I was born and raised in Manhattan. I've always considered myself a liberal. Now I'm not only now I'm not only a friend of people of color but also an advocate. But this movement over the last month has been powerful. I realized that I could not be racist. I realized that I either was a racist or an anti-racist. And I wasn't. I'm not an anti-racist. So I'm racist. This is the whole point of the White Fragility book. Mm -hmm. The point is that if you say you are racist, if you're white, you have to say you're racist. If you say you're not racist, then you're that just means double racist. That just means you're cherry on top. <laughs> just means you're a racist, and you have to then use self-talk to get yourself out of it. Yeah, just like this guy did, talked himself into it. Cave dweller. It's not enough to just go. I'm not a racist. So I get to hear this quote. So this is from Acho. So when a woman named Lisa said she had unconscious bias that white people have, uh, this former NFL player said. Here's what I told my friends with their white children. I said, y'all live in a white cul-de-sac, in a white neighborhood, in a white city, in a white state. If you were not careful, your children will live their whole white life. And at 26, 27, they'll end up being a part of the problem because you just let them and allowed them to live a completely white, sheltered, and cultureless life. You know, that was, I'll, I will admit, when my wife and I were moving to a new neighborhood that was less than a mile from our old neighborhood, we said, you know, we want a place with, uh, you know, some nicer amenities. We want a little bigger house, like a newer house. But most importantly, we had to make sure there were only white people in the neighborhood. Well, yeah. Because, yeah, you know. property values. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> we that was our first priority is to make sure no one of any unappealing color was anywhere near us. Yeah. And if you were a suspect, suspect, like maybe they had a little, you know, percentage. Eh. Well, but even if they were white people who like knew black people yeah. or you know people have we couldn't hang out with them yeah you know so, what that leads to inter intermingling yeah so we just we said no when we moved there we just didn't want to be around anybody who wasn't 100 yeah. percent white you know but that's the stereotype that actually uh i know many it's people just believe it's so stupid i don't what i hate when someone says well you're you're subconsciously racist you you can't be subconsciously racist racism is a conscious decision if you participate in a white power structure and you are living the benefits of that white power structure and and you and you don't do anything to point it out or to um help people that aren't benefiting then you are a racist i got two rooster. words for you shut the fuck up yeah but so it, this idea that you are that you are racist and if you say look the color of people doesn't matter to me it's culture their character does yeah I judge people on how they treat me and how they treat the other people around them that I witness. That's what I, that's how I go. And they go, no, you don't. And I'm like, fuck you. Where, how do you get to decide? And, and I'm prejudiced. Yes. And I prejudge people left and right. And guess what? It's every race, every age, 
they get prejudged. You look at somebody based on how they carry themselves, how they dress, how they speak, and you're going to prejudge them. Yeah. And, you know, it might be negative. It might be actually positive. You might positively prejudge somebody positively and find out, oh, I was wrong about that guy. He's an asshole. Yeah. But you do prejudge. And there's it's called wisdom. It's it's based on your experience usually. And that's it's fine. It's fine to be it's fine to be prejudiced as long as you're, you know, as long as you're not uh, if, if you've proven wrong or if something contradicts what you perceived. Um, if you just stick with it dogmatically and go, no, no, that's it. I just know it isn't just, just this, this doesn't make sense to me. Well, then, yeah, I mean, it might, might be a bigot at that point. Well, have you um, – I know I put this up on the uh, Facebook page a couple of weeks ago, but the picture of Joe Biden holding hands with uh, Robert Byrd, yeah. you know, and all of the people who went out of their way to make um, to make excuses for Robert Byrd's racist past and i'm not just talking about you know he didn't like black people he was a recruiter in west virginia for uh for the kkk i mean he he was an avowed kkk member and for and then he said you know they say well he had sort of his come to jesus moment and um you know it's something about he goes he made amends i have grandkids and i can't imagine you know that uh that black people love their grandkids any less so we're fine and they're like, you know, he made this whole thing about, oh, I think we're past racism and blah, blah, blah. And they never go to what he said after that. He goes, oh, I've seen a lot of white niggers, too. I mean, he just, it's like, it's hard to say you're not racist when you're using that word, you know? Bruh. Yeah, exactly. Really, nigga? Yes. So he he went on to say, um, don't get caught with, or basically, you know, Think twice about joining that organization. You don't want to have that albatross around your neck. There was nothing in that in that statement about, hey, you know. That his attitude has changed. Yeah, his attitude has changed. It was like, that's not good for it's you. It's just not politically, politically expedient. So here is Biden literally holding hands with this guy. He freaking eulogized him, you know, yeah. at, his, at his funeral. And Trump's the bad guy. Trump's the racist. I'm like, Joe Biden is a racist. Yeah. There ain't no getting around it. Well, you know, according to him, Barack Obama was the first, you know, clean-cut, uh, well-spoken black man that, that in the political sphere that, that could get really get people motivated to vote. He's, he's the first one, the very first one. Well, you know, Joe Biden just wants to see poor kids do as well as white kids. <laughs> and rub his uh, hairy legs. Oh, God, he's a freak. So I, I wanted to hone in on this, this uh, phrase, though, that this uh, Acho said that uh, – uh, you allowed your children to live a completely white, sheltered, and cultureless life. That term "cultureless" that's a lot of black supremacists. That's terminology they use. So if you yeah. listen to like the Farrakhan types, um, and that's a lot of the the a lot of the teachings from Farrakhan and the the black nationalist types are getting into the mainstream media of black culture through rap and and you know, hip hop and all that, and even. Oprah Winfrey is is spewing some of this shit or having people spew it on a program without any challenge. And it, this is blatantly racist, blatantly racist to, to say, well, white people don't have culture. There's no culture in white people. You know, and white people were cave dwellers. That's another term for, for white people because we, we was Kangs. You know, black people say that we was Kangs before you white people got out of caves. You were cave dwellers. You were cavemen. It's all nonsense. Okay, let's let's say for a minute that's true. Okay. Let's what does just... that have to do with here and now? Well, right. if you were Kangs and you were ruling the world, 
how come these cave dwellers took over? Mm-hmm. How come? You know? What, why was that? And they'll say, well, there are just so many of them. Okay, fine. Well, let's use an example of like apartheid in South Africa where 90% of the population was black. It was being held down by the top 10% who were white. So are you, are you admitting something to white supremacists that they really are better than you? That's kind of the argument you're making. And let's not making. forget that worldwide, whites are a very small minority. Worldwide. Yeah, I think, I think they're the largest single population. Mm-hmm. No. I'll look it up. But I'm pretty sure whites are a minority worldwide. Yeah, I don't know. So, and, Well, a minority, yes. But they're the largest minority. Largest minority? minority. Yeah. Uh, I think Asians are. Uh, maybe. Could be. Um, I, you know, to be honest, that wouldn't surprise me. They do have the two most populated countries. Well, regardless. Uh, I, I just, I'm tired of the left giving itself a pass on its racism. You know, here's Oprah Winfrey talking about, you know, uh, institutional racism this billionaire black it, woman i've seen instances of her in the past where you see her seething anger is just right underneath like this is all a facade she she talked about an experience she had where she went to a purse store like a high, very high-end like in a yeah I in france city, yeah yep. france and it was a very high-end paris uh, mm-hmm. purse store and she went in there and they were showing her purses and all of a sudden she asked she pointed out one of the top shelf purses and said i'd like to see that one the 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 clerk looked at her like, eh, I don't think you can afford that. One of those things. And that hurt her. That made her so mad because she, how dare that person. And that was only that like assumption. 10 years ago. And here's the thing, though. They were, they, she's buying thousand dollar purses or thousands of dollar purses. And that person did that to her. Do you think anybody else, do you think there might be possibly a white person that walk into that store and get that same experience? I believe that that would happen. But that, that whole story is predicated on just Oprah Winfrey's point of view. You yep. did not hear from the store clerk at all. Yep. So Oprah goes in there and she says, that's what she told me. And we don't know that that happened. But, but to say that's because I'm black, that's the same. Someone like Oprah who got to the position she's in through talent, through hard work, and through white people appreciating her. And and um, in her in the industry, giving her chances and giving her um, the, the um, show, you know, giving her the the – Stature that she, I shouldn't say giving her, but allowing her to thrive and, and go forward and, you know, giving her um, the studio and all that kind of stuff she needs to reach the audience she reached. And then to have all these white women that loved her and, you know, bought the books she recommended and just uh, white watchers. You know, all the white women that joined Weight Watchers because you Oprah, said white watchers. Well, I did, didn't I? You did. Maybe it was a Freudian slip. No, they would be White Watchers of her show. But Weight Watchers, when Oprah joined that, they got a huge bump in... in um, uh, yeah, you think? Yeah, and when they broke down the races, it was, you know, black, Hispanic, whatever, and the whites were the by far the majority of people that joined Weight Watchers is because she had a majority of white following. Great, fine. But why would you sit there and be so resentful towards white people and whiteness? And because white she knows they all secretly hate her. Okay. They all think yeah. they're better than her. Or is it that she's afraid that uh, that she's lost her blackness and that she needs to reclaim her blackness? Oh, like Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, exactly. I was going to – good. I'm glad you brought that up. Got to grow out his fro. Who, who is it? I think uh, Tommy Sotomayor is one of the – he's a black guy that uh, talks about race. And he was on – on, I can't believe he was on YouTube for as long as he was because of all the stuff. He's like the guy that would go to – he always loved going to eat at Hooters. And he goes – now, you know, you know what's a black Hooters when your service is terrible and these ratchet bitches are sitting there taking their 
uh, 10 minute break for an hour and a half. And he goes, I like going into white hooters. <laughs> but anyways, he was talking about how these half black people have a have something to prove because in the black community if you're not if your skin is lighter there's racism within the black community and there's there's um there's a thing where if you're not if you have you know um inner intermixed race that you have to try harder to prove your blackness well isn't wasn't colin kaepernick raised by white parents oh yeah absolutely so yeah but yeah, these guys, and that's why Tommy's talking about. See that you see these like these guys that look like they're almost white, and they grow up these huge afros to prove, look, hey, I can grow an afro. I'm black. It's like it's like they. It's, we try, should, it's, we it's should, just try hard. We should dare Sean King to grow an afro. <laughs> we should dare him. Yeah. Like, come on, dude, grow out your fro. Oh, I, uh, one more thing. Uh, so in 2013, I was talking about the other instances of this seething kind of anti-white or this uh, persecution complex that she seems to have. 2013, Winfrey referred to an incident in 2009 when President Obama was speaking at, to Congress and Republican Congressman Joe Wilson called out, you lie. She said, remember that? I think there's a level of disrespect for the office that occurs, and that occurs in some cases and may even be, and in many cases, because he's African-American. There's no question about that. And it's the kind of thing no one ever says, but everybody's thinking it. So, well, no, everybody, Oprah, is is you are injecting race into that situation when it had nothing to do with race. Right. And and the guy was out of line. Doing well, yeah, that. he was out of line, but it had nothing to do with the fact that Obama was half black. Yeah, but he should have, he should have never yelled out like that. But the idea that he was doing it because he was black, I just... Nothing. Well, prove that. that. It's whiteness. You don't have to prove it. It's whiteness. He felt. He felt. No, she. She does have to prove it. He felt empowered to do that. He wouldn't have felt empowered had that been a white president. Yeah, because no one's ever done that yeah. to a white president before. So it's just nonsense. I mean, Oprah, fuck off. That's what. That's that's my response. Well, let's let's put it this way. He shouldn't have done that, but he wasn't wrong because Obama was lying. Yeah, that was that. I th- I don't think it was the same speech, but that was along the lines of how Medicare was working, and if you can, if you want to keep your doctor, you can keep your doctor, and and what he was saying at the time was not true, you know, and and he didn't even go as like hardcore saying you're a liar. He just said you lie. So that instance right there, that's a lie. I mean, that's as mild as as an outburst as you can have. Yeah, and you know, how is this any different than the people who get up and walk out on white presidents? You know. Well, I, they always edit out the part after he when he yells out, you lie, and he goes, <coughs> nigger. What? When he sits down. He goes, <coughs> nigger, when he sits oh, down. God. And that's the part that I think she's pointing Wasn't to. Wasn't he holding up a sign? That's a, <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, yeah. Maybe we should end there. <laughs> <laughs> you should end there. Uh-huh. No, I, I, think it's, I think it's stupid that they inject race into everything, especially when um, – you know, the other side of that, I've talked before about uh, Killer Mike, the rapper, mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, he doesn't like this gun control thing. He goes, it's basically movement to take away guns from black people. So yep. they can't. Yeah, that's what it was originally for. Yeah. And, and, and taking guns away from, from citizens is going to disproportionately affect poor people in these cities, like black people in these cities that are like in the crosshairs literally of, of criminals of thugs yeah and aren't, aren't getting protected you're taking their protection away they can't rely on the police they can't uh, rely on this right. government of whiteness that you that you're talking about and this it was white privilege so wh- what what are they supposed to do to protect themselves it was put in place because racist white southerners or democrats by the way didn't want freed slaves and black people to have the means to defend themselves 
Because when they went to lynch him, they might get shot. Yep. Which is exactly what the Second Amendment is for. Yep. And so he said, I'm very pro-Second Amendment. But then Tommy Sotomayor will go on, and, or not Sotomayor, um, Killer Mike will go on to say, maybe black people should just stick with black people. You know? And nobody says nobody says a about word that. about it. They're like, yeah. He goes, you know, because our culture is going to get diluted by white people and everything. It's like, look, if he wants to, as a black person, just hang around with black people, that's fine. I think it's sort of short-sighted. But, you know, if a white person were to say that, Oh, geez, that person's got to be canceled, you know. So my point is people inject race into things where race doesn't have a place. And then they tell you that race has a place everywhere. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. You know, yeah. I mean, culture has more to play with anything than race. If you want to if you want to talk about uh, dis, uh, disparity and all that, it, you could talk about it's because of a cultural attitude. So. The reason black people are in the predicament they're in is because of the attitude towards, you know, anti-family um, or, you know, not having the nuclear family structure, um, the, um, the reliance on, you know, welfare as opposed to having a father or mother supporting their children. And that's cultural. That's not a black thing. There's whites that do the same thing. But percentage wise, it's it's affecting black people more. But that, that doesn't mean they're more... They're genetically just predisposed to be, you know, on welfare. It's because they were targeted as a community and it's cultural perpetuating what Oprah perpetuates is that whiteness and white privilege is what's keeping you down. No, it's not what's happening. Um, one other quick thing. I, I don't know if we brought this up and stop me if we did. Did, did we talk about how one of the largest chapters of, uh, Planned Parenthood is trying to scrub Margaret's Margaret Sanger from its history? I think we might've mentioned it, but we didn't get into it. Yeah, they they were like, uh, you know, her past is kind of problematic based on, you know, Kinda. how she felt about, you know, eugenics. It is very much about uh, limiting the black population through, through um, abortion. But the article that I read uh, was pointing out that it was, you know, even back in like 2012, they were like, no, no, no. She was a champion yeah. for Hillary, health care for women and blah, blah. Well, of course, Hillary praised her. Do you know why? Because Hillary Clinton, Clinton is a blatant racist. Mm hmm. She's a blatant racist, just like Joe Biden is. Super predators. Well, and I, we don't have to get into this, but v Biden on his whole thing about, he said, you know, the the recent gaffe he had. Yeah, he went and talked to a Hispanic group. At some, yeah, and he said, and you he know, goes, Hispanic you know, this community. Is something people, you guys know, but most people don't know, is that, you know, Hispanic communities are like incredibly diverse. Unlike the black unlike community. Unlike the black community. <laughs> <laughs> like, there dude. were black people going, I I'm sorry, you said what? Yeah. So I think he's done as soon as he picks a vice president. Yeah. He doesn't have a good option. He doesn't have one. He's paying himself. you think he's going to swoop in and take over and, and go against Trump? No. I just think I'm starting to come around to the Rush Limbaugh theory that this is the, uh, the Democrats know they can't win this one, and they're just giving it up. It's not going to be a 1984 Reagan versus Mondale thing, but I think they know they're just not going to be able to do it. I, I don't think they realized how much they've overplayed their hand with the COVID stuff. I mean, when Trump passed his executive orders, it basically said, you know what, I'm just going to do the stuff that we wanted to do. And now the Democrats are like, well, let's talk some more. Yeah, wasn't part of it he's going to do a, 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 a tax holiday, an income tax holiday? Payroll tax. So that, that is? Yeah. That's and they go, well, that only helps people who have jobs. <laughs> well, yeah, the tax cut only helps people who pay yeah, taxes. I'm, I'm, yeah, and we vote. 
But yeah, he said, um, you know, we're going to do instead of the six hundred bucks, you get four hundred bucks. But states have to pay for twenty five percent of that. Fed's not going to keep doing it. Sounds good. Yeah, but it it's not having any of this stuff. I mean, if you read the Democrats' CARES Act, the three trillion dollar, three point one trillion dollars, it has a whole bunch of stuff in there that has nothing to do with COVID. And Trump just was like, we're going to take all you know the stuff out that matters and put it out there. And yeah. Do it in executive order. And do you know why he can do that with executive order? Because Barack Obama did that. No, because my boy Robert said, oh. even if they're imperfect, you got to follow them. Barack Obama did a bunch of that. and uh, Oh, yeah. Of course he did. And it was all fine and dandy when he did it. Yeah. But, you know, he was righteous in his, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with his phone and his pen. Yeah. <laughs> so Trump having a phone and pen's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, uh, running long. So if you want to get in contact with us, it's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. Did I say that right? sounded wrong when I said it. Everything sounds wrong when you say it. Oh, well. And uh, check us out on the Facebook page. Like, share, comment, all that stuff. And if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. See you. Bye.